Hey, and welcome to the Sit Down with Suzanne podcast. I am your girl, Suzanne, also known as Positively Suzanne. Now remember, this podcast was created with us in mind. It is a reminder that not only are we worthy, but we deserve the best versions of ourselves. So grab a cup of tea or your beverage of choice and sit back and relax and join me on this journey. All right. Hey there, positive people. This is your host, Suzanne from the Sit Down with Suzanne podcast. And if you've been keeping up, I have been highlighting um, female entrepreneurs for the month of May. Um, Fabulous females who have stepped away from corporate America, who have kind of stepped away from their nine to five and kind of doing it on their own. Um, You know, so we are here with them to share their triumphs, um, their losses, you know, and some really great tips and insight to share with you guys who are potentially thinking of doing that. So I'm excited to have with me today, none other than the fabulous queen herself, Miss Cardithia Moore Jenkins, get it right, affectionately called DD. So now she is a um, senior social worker, and I say senior out of respect and the length of service, not because she old. <laughs> <laughs> She is a social worker supervisor who worked with the Department of Children's Services um, for a very long time, Um, you know, have been there for, I think, approximately 19 years and have really Mm -hmm. been a resource for the families that she's helped, the community that she is in. And I mean, say Didi, everybody knows her name in, you know, Worcester in Massachusetts here. And I happen to know her um, in that forum. I happen to know her as a minister and evangelist a phenomenal woman of God. And I also know her as a entrepreneur that used to be her little side hustle. Um, You know, Way Speeds by Cardithia started out there and it's evolved. So I'm going to let her tell you all about who she is. But for now, I am honored to welcome to the program, Miss Didi, phenomenal, phenomenal woman. So welcome to the show, Didi. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be back on your show again. I appreciate you. And thank you for all of those beautiful accolades. I really appreciate it. Thank no you. Prop. Well, well-deserved. Uh, yes, you were on the program before as 2019, I think it was, or 2020, because like mm-hmm. that was right before COVID went not so. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> phenomenal woman that was featured um, in the month of February for Black History Month. Phenomenal woman. So now, like I said, I'm really excited um, about you being on the show. And, you know, the funny thing is when I mentioned doing this series, I had so many um, people reach out to me who wanted to be a part of the series. And some obviously because there's only so many Mondays in the month of May, I had to say no to it. Just really wanted to make sure that, you know, those that I selected would be, you know, a benefit to the audience, um, things like that. So I was really excited that I was able to connect with you at a vendor event, and we'll talk about that. Um, But, you know, just tell me a little bit about your professional background. I mentioned a few things, but just tell me a little bit about your professional background. Sure. So um, my background is primarily in human services and more specifically in the field of social work. Um, It goes back probably in human services about 30 years, maybe a little bit more than that. And uh, starting out in the early childhood field and uh, through connections, uh, developed this interest in social work and ended up uh, working for the state for nearly 20 years. And so um, as a result of that experience as a a social worker in 
the realm of child welfare, child protective services, that allowed me to be able to branch out and to explore some other areas within the field of social work. And so many times people think it's just regarding child welfare, but social work is in, in education, it's in law, it's um, it's medical. Uh, there's so many different aspects of this particular field. And so um, more recently, I've started to branch out into some of the other aspects of, of social work, particularly regarding teaching. I've um, moved into teaching as an adjunct professor at a couple of local colleges and hope to uh, do more of that in the near future. So that's been really exciting for me. And uh, in addition to that, and as you happen to mention, I have actually, you know, have my own business and worked on entrepreneur as an entrepreneur for almost 11 years now. And I know we're going to probably get into that a little bit deeper. Uh, so recently I've been trying to work on building that aspect. It was a side hustle, but now it's become uh, more of a, you know, let's make this money and let's, you know, make an impact in the community and um, spread a lot of love. And I love your your uh, mantra when you say inspire, motivate, and empower. And I think that, that we all kind of inspire, aspire to do that in the different fields that we work in and particularly as entrepreneurs as well. So. All right. Fantastic. No, thank you. You know, when I was thinking about building my brand, those were the foundations that resonated the most to me and um, you know, everyone has connected with it. So thank you for that. So you were in social work for a long time, you know, you say going back 30 years and listen, when y'all see the picture, I'm going to post this girl did not look a day over 25, <laughs> right? All right. So don't let her fool you by she's in this business for over 30 years. They say uh, black don't crack. And <laughs> that's right. <laughs> she's don't a black. living testament to that, right? Absolutely. So, you know, you mentioned that, you know, during the social work sphere, the work that you did there, it just exposed you to a plethora of other things. Um, what was your, any, can you find, what was your favorite thing about being a social worker? You know, I know it sounds so cliche, but when it comes to helping people, you know, that's the crux of, of social work, but more specifically is making a connection with a child or with a family or with a parent. For me, it's that individual one-on-one -on -one working with someone that's where you can really have a huge impact. And I know that um, working in a bureaucracy like child welfare, which you know is usually in any state, it's one of the biggest agencies um, of any state. However, when you drill all the way down, the bottom line is that person, that social worker who is working with a family one-on-one. -on -one. That one-to-one -one relationship is really the most influential. When you can create a, a relationship with someone and you can say, I see your situation. I see what you're going through. I'm trying to understand it. I want to listen to your story and let me find the resources that can help you improve your situation. And for me, my mantra when it comes to social work is let's do it with compassion and with respect. I always am uh, impressed upon my staff that I was working with or anyone that I was training, that compassion and respect goes such a long, long way. So as a result of showing compassion 
and being respectful of each individual situation and each every circumstance, people remember that and they find you and they will call you or they will inbox you. Mm -hmm. They'll find a way to say, thank you. I know it seemed like I wasn't listening to you when you were trying to tell me that I needed to do this and I needed to do that or to hold on. And I didn't have any hope, but you were holding that hope for me. I appreciate you. Now I realize what you were saying, or I was listening. I've had so many teenagers come back to me and say, I was listening. I know I gave you a hard time. I know I was running away and I was cursing at you and I was doing all these crazy things, but I heard you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard you. I really was listening. Your voice came back to me at important and crucial moments that allowed me to make better decisions for myself. And now I'm a parent. And now I know and I see what you were trying to tell me. I understand it. Those things, absolutely priceless. You cannot give me any amount of money. Uh, There's no amount of money that can compare to those words um, to when those people come back to me and tell me um, that I've made a difference and an impact on their life. It's priceless. Priceless. Uh, girl, I just got goosebumps. You know, it's like, and listen, folks don't go into social work for the money. So <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely not. They do not, you know, and you know what you were saying to me, you know, I always bring everything back to faith and it's like our pastors would be cheering because like that, that good ground seed. That's that good ground seed. That's right. <laughs> That's right. You're absolutely, pl- you're planting seeds and you don't always see the fruits of your labor, but sometimes mm-hmm. it's, a few late, few years later, a few, you know, five months, five years later, or 10 years later, uh, mm. or even more when, you know, someone hits you up on Facebook and says, you know, I don't know if you remember me, but, mm-hmm. um, and, and of course you do, you, t- you tend to remember them. And, um, this proud moment comes over you and then you're like, okay, I know I'm not making a lot of money. But the impact on someone's life that I can actually help change the trajectory of someone's life. Priceless. It's ministry all in itself. It is. It It really is. It really is ministry when you have that ability to plant those seeds into someone's life and actually help to change the trajectory, change their outlook, and give them the skills and the hope that they need to move forward. It's nothing like it. Nothing, nothing like, like it. it. That's amazing. You know, and I, I really love that, um, you know, just thinking of it in those terms, because my faith in God has sustained me through many a toxic situation. And I've had to tell myself, I am not going there for that person. The one person that I could touch, the two people that something will resonate with, that is why I'm doing it. And it sounds like, you know, for you, um, social work was that. All right. So obviously there was a lot of things that you liked in social work and, you know, you have stepped away from that. Um, Can you tell me what that was like? And we're going to dive into the entrepreneurial piece, but I really want to, you know, there's something that you love. What was it that you didn't like or what caused you to say it is this, I'm, you know, I'm moving on from here. So um, I had stepped away from child welfare back in 2014 when I had left uh, the department. And uh, what I 
I stayed in social work and I stayed connected to child welfare, just working with families who were involved with the department, but I was now a provider as opposed to that social worker uh, from the state working with them. However, after working for a couple of agencies, I found myself going back to the state because the grass is not always greener on the other side. And what drove me away the first time was stress. Um, stress was starting to get to me and I was starting to have some medical issues, but I, you know, I was able to go off and, and pick up some new skills, have some new opportunities. And I found myself back at the department in 2018. And I felt like I was, that was the right decision that I made at that time. And I want to say to, to, to your audience is that you make the best decision at the time with the information that you have and based on what you need to do at the moment. So at that time, that was the best decision for me. And I was happy to go back. I was well-received. I brought back with me a plethora of new skills and new information. Um, but yet I had a lot to learn because in four years, a few things had changed at the department. So I had to learn some things and unlearn some things too. However, eventually the stress started to mount up again. And I was starting to think, what have I done? <laughs> you know, was this really the right thing to do? And I had to remind myself, yes, it was. It is the nature of the beast of this particular type of work. It's a high stress environment. And you've got to figure out whether how you're going to manage that stress or whether or not you need to step away from it. So I tried to find some things to manage the stress, like exercise and trying to eat better. Um, of course, holding on to my faith and worshiping and praying and reading the word and things like that. However, it just didn't seem to be enough. Not that God is not enough, but the things that I was trying was was just not enough. And the stress was getting to the place where it was starting to affect every aspect of my life in every aspect of my being. I found myself really struggling. I wasn't sleeping well. Um, my eating habits had changed. I got to the place where I could not eat very much. And what I did eat, I was not able to hold down. I was not able to retain any food. Um, I. Uh, in addition to not sleeping, I had very poor concentration. I couldn't focus on anything. I was extremely anxious. I was feeling more and more sad. I was more tearful. Everything made me cry. Everything made me nervous. Um, I was extremely disorganized, even more than normal. And um, I was just, I was falling apart. I saw myself falling apart. And so uh, in addition to the, the physical symptoms, I had very poor, uh, very low energy. I'm not eating well. I can't retain anything. So my energy level is very low. I'm very lethargic. And um, I, I, I just was really coming apart at the seams, you know, looking at, looking back at it. And uh, eventually I had to go to the doctor. I couldn't go to work one day. And I explained to him what was going on and decided to run a number of tests. And um, 
I didn't go to work that day, which was a Friday. I didn't go to work the next Monday or the next Tuesday or the next Wednesday. Um, I couldn't bring myself to go back to work. And I realized that I needed to, to get some help. I needed to make some, some really crucial decisions. And so um, I had to seek a, um, a medical leave. And I went out for about four to five weeks on medical leave. And I used that time to focus on myself. I mean, real self-care, not just, oh, go get your hair and your nails done. No, this is, let's get your mental health back together. Let's get your, uh, um, get, let's get your, my, my blood, uh, I was having difficulty with my iron level. My iron level needed to be stabilized. My vitamin D level needed to be stabilized. I had to go to the doctor and have iron infused into directly into my veins in order to get me back to where I needed to be. I didn't know that iron and vitamin D could actually cause you, uh, deficiencies in those areas can actually cause you to have a mood disorder. And so um, in addition to the stress of the work and not having the right balance of those particular nutrients, it, it, it propelled me down a really, really bad uh, road of depression. And I can honestly say at this time, um, that's not what they, they don't call it this anymore, but it was essentially a, a, what they would call a nervous breakdown, stress-induced um, situation. And for weeks, I had to work on getting up and being motivated every single day, even to do some of the smallest things like make sure you shower, make sure you comb your hair, or at least look like you did something to it before you go out. Um, and I was faking the funk as much as I possibly could, you know, my family knew what was going on, but I would fake it as much as I possibly could so that I could try to get to church or get to, you know, some small events that I needed to go to. But for the most part, for those five weeks, I was really at home trying to recover. Uh, intensely involved in individual therapy, psychiatry as well. But I was praying. I was worshiping. It didn't mean I, that I didn't love God. It didn't mean that I didn't uh, activate my faith enough. It was a medical and mental health situation that I was facing. And it was through my faith that I didn't give up. Mm -hmm. I wasn't suicidal. I wasn't homicidal. But I had to work and be very intentionally daily about, about recovery, about recovering from the situation. And I had to make a very difficult decision is whether or not I go back to work. Mm. And eventually I had to make the decision that I can't, I can't do this work anymore. I may look young as Suzanne says, my black don't crack. But the fact of the matter is when you're in your fifties, your body is doing some new things. Mm. It's doing some new things and the things that you could do in your forties and fifties and uh, your forties and your thirties and your, and your twenties, you know, you don't necessarily have the energy for, and I had to make a decision. Okay. I choose me. Mm. I choose me. I choose me. I choose my mental health. And you know what? I'm betting on me and God. Amen. Amen. I'm betting on me and God. And I made the decision to go back, work my two weeks. And gave my notice and left. 
All right. Well, Didi, um, oh my goodness. Thank you so much for, you know, hey, having the courage to share that story and for trusting me with it. Um, I truly do not take it lightly. And, you know, being in a place that you're able to talk about it. And I know, I know it's going to bless somebody. I know it's going to help somebody, somebody who's going through the same thing and kind of struggling, you know, but I got this good job, you know should I leave this good job? And, you know, you said it best, you chose you and you have to. And in situations like this, we don't have the opportunity to choose ourselves sometimes because, you know, I think when you and I got together this week, you know, I talked about something that I've mentioned on the podcast, generational trauma of sticking with a job that is not good for your mental health. And, you know, our folks can't do any better because they know what they know. You know, our grandparents right. taught our right. parents who taught right. us. And, you know, we have to be better for the next generations. But we were not taught to prioritize our mental health. And as Black women, we're definitely taught, like, you know, the strong Black, strong black woman. Rope, it is. <laughs> it can destroy many a strong black woman, because we feel that we have to be everything for everyone. We got to fake it till we make it. We got to suck it up. We got to go to work. We got to, you know, run the family, run the home, be at the church and do all these things. Um, And, you know, like you said, inside we're breaking down, but who do we turn to? Um, You know, and, uh, you know, thank God you recognize that you needed that help and soft therapy because in the black community, I know it's gotten better, but therapy is not something that's popular, um, you know, and it's something that people are ashamed of. There's still a stigma mm-hmm. attached to it. So for you coming on here and admit, like you're breaking that stigma and say, nah, I needed to take care of me. I'm gonna do what I got to do to, that's you right. know, take care of this. Because, you know, it's like some folks, it's like, you know, if your car breaks down and you got to go to work, take the city bus. Like, I ain't taking no city bus, but how are you going to get to work? You know, so we have to let go of those things and realize that it doesn't matter what anybody else says. You need to choose you and show up for you and do what you got to do to take care of you. So I'm so glad that you were able to. I'm sorry you went through it, but you know what? We discussed it. No regrets. No regrets. Um, you know, the, the, and you said it really well as, you know, I'm sorry, but I got through it. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's the point is that I did come through. I did come through, came out on the other side. And I think it's important for your listeners to know is that, um, you know, we have seasons of situations Mm -hmm. and, and trials and tribulations that we, that we have to go through. And that was that particular season for me. And it was not easy. And it was extremely scary. There was a few times I thought, maybe I should just go to the hospital because I'm just not feeling well right now. However, through prayer, my family checking on me and just, you know, just leaning on my faith um, is what brought me through. But I did have to break through the stigmas of, oh, you know, we, you just pray and then you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. No, I realized that I needed the, I needed to address the medical part of this situation. Mm-hmm. So I was working closely with my 
primary care physician and, and other doctors, specialists that were assigned to me. Then I also had to work on the, the, the emotional and the psychological part of it, which was through therapy and psychiatry. And then all of that was fused together with my faith. All of that came together with my faith. And so I want to encourage someone who may be listening is that you want to make sure that you're an an entire individual. You are whole and we are made up of different uh, parts of ourselves. And we have to make sure that we're taking care of each part of ourselves. And don't be afraid to choose you. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be scary. It was absolutely scary. Who at at 50 something years old decides to leave a a career, leave a job and don't and don't have another job to go to. I need to make that clear. I did not have another job to go to. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know what I had a bit of a plan. I knew what I wanted to do and how I was going to work a certain situation. But I will tell you all that it was through prayer that I said, God, how do I do this? And he said, I am your source. That job is not your source. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I had to stand on that promise. I had to remind myself of certain scriptures that he said that he'll never leave me and forsake me. Mm Mm-hmm. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. He has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Mm-hmm. These are the scriptures that I had to rehearse over and over again in order to get to the other side. So mm-hmm. I chose me and I stood on his word, which is that job is not your source. I am your source. Amen. And you got to the other side and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to see you here. And, you know, we all still have work to do, right? You're absolutely working on you every single day. It is something, but I'm glad that you, you know, you were able to recognize that. And for, you know, the folks that are listening that, you know, she said it like folks that, you know, you just pray and let it go and leave it to God. Yes. But you also have to do steps. You have to do things to say, you know, I'm going to take care of this. You know, you want a job and you pray to God to, you know, thanking God for the job, but you still got to fill out that application. (laughs) (laughs) Got to do all things, but I know he's not going to come down and fill out the application for you. I know jobs will drop in your lap, but God still wants you to take the things, you know, do the things that are necessary to take care of you. And you chose that and you did that. You had your faith and it's your faith that brought you through, even though you use other sources, you know, it was your faith that said, okay, maybe I can't do this on my own. Maybe I need to see a psychiatrist. Maybe I need mm-hmm. to see my doctor and maybe I need to, you know, open up to my family because that could be scary in itself, you know, telling black families that, you know, you're struggling mentally. What? Right. You know, I mean, I'm from the Caribbean. Um, sometimes feelings is not something that I grew up talking about. You know, you mm-hmm. suck that up. You know, you don't. So, you know, thank you again for trusting us and, you know, for sharing your story. And I know that it's going to help someone. And, you know, it seems like it was not something that was just instant, you know, it was gradual, you know, this was something that built up and over time you realize that you do have to choose yourself. Um, and you know, you did the right thing. You sought help, you went out on a leaf, um, and you know, you still did not want to come back and you recognize, okay, maybe this chapter 
of my life is over. And we do have phases that that is not all that you are. Right. And you gave your two weeks. You didn't, you know, I'll act all shady. You <laughs> gave your two weeks and <laughs> you left the job, right? Because at the end of the day, I would say more than a job, you're a representative of Christ. That's right. So handle your business. You went back, you gave your two weeks and you left it. And then, you know, you stepped away. And I know that for some folks, it's different when they're transitioning, you know, they have to have a plan, you know, the bills ain't going to stop. Let me first say that. So you got to do what you got to do. But I also recognize that there's some point that you places that you'll get to. There's a point that you'll get to that. Like I need to be out of here and there is no plan. And you're just stepping out on faith you're stepping on that staircase when you can't see it. I think right. there's a quote there somewhere. Yes, that's right. There is. <laughs> that there I'm, is. you know, messing out. But y'all know what I'm saying. And, you know, doing that and stepping on. And that is scaring itself. So kudos, you know, for doing that. And, you know, I appreciate everything about you. And I'm just going to remind you all, let's check on our strong friend. Because yes. Didi, Didi is one of my strong friends. Okay. And she was going through that. So let's think about how many strong friends that we have that are going through that. And they feel like because they're the strong friend, they can't share that. And it's lonely when you're going through something and you feel like you can't communicate that with anyone. Cause you know, when you are feeling like that, you're, you're feeling isolated and alone. And then when you really have nobody, then you get even more isolated and alone. And I, and I think it just makes the situation escalate a little more. So let's check up on somebody that that strong friend. Um, Absolutely. Thank you for saying that. And um, prior to going through this situation and even during the situation, maybe not so much during, but I I have seen lots of quotes about check on your strong friends and it's so important. Don't take people for granted. Mm. And we do that so many times because we know mommy's always there. I can go to her. I can go to her, but what about you check on her and see, is she okay? Let me go to my sister and you know, that, or that strong friend or who that auntie that, you know, that you always go to or your grandfather that you can always go to, but you got to check in on them ask them how they're doing. If they need anything, let them know that you are also available as a listening ear, as a sounding board, not there to fix it in any way, but just there to listen. And they just might need you to come and visit. Yeah. No. During the pandemic, we learned so many people ended up being alone, right? Not just the elderly, not just seniors, but just even some as a single woman, I was alone for days and days because we, we needed to quarantine ourselves. We needed to stay isolated in order to keep each other safe. But there can be a danger in that isolation, right? You're alone with your thoughts. You're alone with your fears. Yeah, it's time to pray. You can, uh, I took, you know, several courses during that time and workshop and created new things, but there was a lot of time alone. And sometimes you just need someone to just check up on you. Phone call. We had Zoom parties, you know, um, a few other things that uh, were going on. But now that the world is open up again, meet with somebody, go have lunch like we did this week. Meet with somebody and go have a coffee 
invite some friends over and sit and just check in with each other. I did it with a group of ladies last month and we had a great time. We need each other because so many times we think that we're the only one. Mm -hmm. And when you allow people the space, a safe space for them to just talk about the challenges of being single, of being married, of working, of not working, of having a disability, of difficulty with your children, children who are doing well, children who are not doing well, medical issues. I mean, car issues, financial issues, credit issues, listen, housing, like the list is, 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 is endless of the struggles that people are facing. And if you just have a chance to talk to somebody, just to say your friend or your cousin or whoever to ask about you and don't be afraid to go to therapy. Don't be afraid. We have to break that stigma that we don't talk about what happens at home. What happens in this house stays in this house. Well, guess what? So many things that have happened in the house, like the sexual abuse and the domestic violence and the substance abuse and Lights on, lights off, gas, no gas, car repossessed. I'm talking from personal experience. All of those things that happen and then you don't get a chance to talk about it. Mm. Where do you think some of this mental health stuff comes from? There's trauma underneath a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so when you find yourself in where the, the, the those emotions are starting to bubble up, that depression is, is, is not just sadness. It's not just the weekend. It's something that's affecting every area of your life. Reach out. There are so many places that you can call now. There are places online that you can reach out to. And you don't even have to go to leave your house to have therapy now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can do therapy by text. You can do therapy by Zoom. You can do therapy by phone. You don't even have to leave the house anymore. Don't neglect your mental health. Wonderful. Don't do it. No, not at all. And, you know, it's perfect. I mean, we're talking about entrepreneur, but this is so perfect for the month of May is mental health awareness, right? That's right. And I, I always talk about it. I think it's so important. And especially in the black community, you know, with that stigma, um, stigma attached to it, we have to talk about it. We have to highlight when we're doing it. If we have folks that are doing it, let other folks know, Hey, there is no shame in the game trying That's to right. take care of you because when you're gone, it, you know, the business like, Oh, if me didn't know me to tell them for got therapy. But, you know, it's too late. It's too late. Let's let's just take care of it now. And, you know, yeah, the world is opening back up. So I am making a point and, you know, I'll be discussing my situation in another episode. But, you know, I'll have a little more free time now that I'm able to go to lunch with you. I was just like, I just saw you and I was like, OK, we haven't gotten together. Let's do lunch, let's you know. Lunch. And I'm I'm gonna be doing that with a lot of different folks. Um, you know, just go for a cup of coffee. I'm going for walks in the park. Let's go to the park. Let's grab a cup of coffee. I mean, I don't do coffee, I do tea, but <laughs> let's let's go for let's a get walk. Together. Let's go let's for just a walk. connect. Like there's the the park. If you don't have allergies, let's go to the park. So, <laughs> <laughs> things like that. All right. So have one important question about the pandemic. Did you learn how to bake bread? No. <gasps> TD. <laughs> no, big thing. I became better at ordering stuff. <laughs> I'm a master. Okay. 
orderer of things. Okay. Well, <laughs> it was the big thing during the pandemic because I remember my daughter and I were trying to bake something and there was like a flour shortage. And <laughs> it was, I was like, what? So then, I, you know, I read a couple articles. Apparently everybody was learning how to bake. So there was like a flour shortage. I couldn't get flour. And then my mom with her Jamaican self went to Walmart and found flour and bought me so many packs of flour. <laughs> I can't. So then I had, I went from no flour to too much flour. So now I was calling my siblings like, do you want a pack of flour? I can't. I should have sold it online and made a profit. Yeah, you should have. Seriously. Since I'm over here, I would have been glad to swing by and pick it up. Oh my goodness. It was no, but no, I, again, I mean, you know, we laugh, but, and you know, and that's life, but no, thank you so much for sharing that. And I appreciate that. And, you know, I reiterate some of the points that, you know, um, Didi made in about taking care of your mental health, no shame or stigma attached to it and choosing you. I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, so let's segue into, you mentioned that you've been an entrepreneur for a little over 11 years and it was your side hustle. So talk to me how that started. And then, you know, now you're diving into that fully. So what's that like? So uh, a little over 10 years ago, I learned about waste beads. I was working with um, a really good friend of mine, F. Wadufu, who is uh, the CEO of Elite Planner. She was Elite Promotions before. Um, We used to do uh, Poetry Cove. We were known for putting on Poetry Cove uh, a couple of times a month in various venues in the city of Worcester. But we also did fashion shows and a few other things. So I was a part of her team. And it was uh, while preparing for the fashion shows that I learned about waist beads. I saw the all of these models with these beads around their waist. And I'm like, how is it that, what is going on? And so they just happened to be, um, all of the girls who were wearing them happened to be um, Ghanaian um, from Ghana. And so I was like, well, what do the, the beads mean? And ironically, None of the girls really knew what the beads mean. They just said, my grandmother put them on me. Uh, My aunt put them on me. And I've had them since I was a little girl. And I'm like, well, how do you not know? Like, this doesn't make any sense. So through some research, through talking with FY and some of my other friends, I've learned about um, the origins of waist beads. And I just became fascinated. Um, Probably more like obsessed is probably a better word. And I was like, I, I, I need these. I, I need these. And so I made some for myself and then I made some for this family member and that family member and this person and that person. And someone said, well, why don't you just sell them? And I was like, people will buy them. And they're like, of course. And so that's what I started doing. I started making them and selling them. And just like I said, it it went from just uh, an interest to fascination, to obsession, to full on side hustle. And over the years, um, you know, I got a logo, uh, eventually had a website, which is down right now. So I apologize for that. But, um, you know, the various social media platforms, I um, sell at various uh, events throughout the year. And it has taken on a life of its own. And this is my season. Usually right around April into May is when my business kind of 
perks up. Everyone's looking for waist beads now. They're looking for, and, and I also sell anklets and bracelets. And um, over the pandemic, instead of learning to bake bread, I started to uh, learn how to make necklaces. And so I made my first necklace, I think in two, 2020. And then I was just kind of, you know, making pictures of them, but not really selling them. And then 2021, I made some more and sold those. And so I decided, well, I'm not working anymore. Let's let's take these necklaces and let's really, really get into it. And so um, the necklaces have started to pick up. I'm um, trying to make them in a way that they're one or two of a kind. I really like for people to have unique pieces or um, there's only a few of them. Mm-hmm. I have one design that people are really asking for. So I'm really proud of that. So I will make more of that one. However, most of them are like one of a kind, maybe mm-hmm. two. Wonderful. I don't know how you feel, but I like when I have something and no one else has it, right? Um, if someone else has the same dress as me, I mean, we know that they make thousands of them. So that's what it is. But I think it's really nice when you have a piece of jewelry that is very unique mm-hmm. and, and it's personal. And so I've been focusing on developing the brand for the necklaces. It's going to be called Redeemed. It falls under the Wastebees by Cardithia brand, but um, it will have its own separate logo called Redeemed. And, uh, you know, I have been redeemed and um, I feel that um, it's something that I'm able to pass along to to other beautiful women um, Mm. who desire to um, to 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 wear these pieces. And so I'm focusing on making more designs, uh, gathering more resources, more supplies. And of course, you know, I will continue to offer waist beads because that is my, that is my bottom line. That is my staple. I will always have waist beads. Um, and for the events that are going to be coming up, I will have some new waist beads. I'm trying some new things. I will have anklets and I will have bracelets as well. So wonderful. Um, you know, started, you know, somewhere and it's continuing. I do love the, the necklaces and the, the logo for redeemed. It's beautiful with, you know, with the crown, everything. And I do like a statement piece that one of a kind that's stunning that it's an, it's a conversation starter, right? It's a conversation starter. Exactly. It's a conversation starter. So no, I saw you at the event, um, some beautiful pieces. Um, definitely folks are around it and they love it because everybody wants that one statement piece too. Right. Right. Or multiple. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you can have more than one. (laughs) Yes, yes, darling, yes. So, you know, you you are no longer working in that field and then you decide, you know what, why not? Now is the time. What is, is there something that's holding you back or was there anything that held you back from saying, you know, let me focus on this for a minute? Um. What held me back from focusing on the business in the past was that I really didn't see it as um, a, a viable option for sustaining for sustaining me financially mm-hmm. because I wasn't making or producing as much product as um, as it would require to sustain me to sustain mm-hmm. my household. Um, but it's been a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still connected to the field of social work and I will, I mm-hmm. think I will probably always be connected to the field of social work, but for right now, I'm, I'm 
putting a lot of effort into building this brand, especially because this is my season. So I'm going full force into the you know late spring and summer. So come see me, come check me out um, and see what I have to offer. But yeah, there was a little bit of hesitancy to see us like, can this really sustain me? Mm, you know, because right. those bills still got to get paid, right? Girl, ain't nothing right. but a word. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you said something. I don't know if you realize you said it. It is your season, but it is your season. Mm. It is your season. It is it your is. season. God has ordained that it is your season. And this yes. is why, you know, you chose you. And this is why things are aligning. Because you notice things are starting to click and fall into place. It's not by yeah, in a in a in a way that is blowing my mind. Yeah. I, I every time a new email or a phone call or a suggestion or something happens, and it's been happening like so frequently in the last few weeks, it's it's totally blowing my mind. So I receive it. It is my season. It is your season. It is my season. It is your season. So you know, well, what are some of the wins so far? Like from being an entrepreneur, what are some of the wins that you have had so far? Cause you mentioned it, like, you know, when you get a new email or, you know, the vendor events and seeing folks coming over, but what are some of the personal wins for you um, being an entrepreneur? Uh, the freedom, mm. the freedom to create whatever I want to create. Um, I love that. I don't need anyone to tell me what I can or cannot do. Mm. Um, and so I will look for feedback from family members or friends. I'll create a piece and say, well, what do you think of this? And they may or may not like it. And I may or may not take that advice, um, or their suggestion, but I really love the freedom. So that's a huge win. Um, I love the fact that my creativity is flowing tremendously so much so that it's difficult for me to sleep sometimes because I'm like, I should get up and make (laughs) (laughs) you know, let me just put these colors together and just see what it will look like, you know, Um, or I need to go back to such and such a store one more time, even though I was there seven days last week. And I know those people are sick of looking at me, but I just need to go back and look for something else. So those kinds of things are happening, but also um, a, a, a significant, a, a couple of significant wins have, has been as a result of getting back out there and being on the vendor scene, um, is people saying there's another event coming up. Mm. Would you be interested in this thing? Would you be interested in that thing? Um, I, I can't talk a lot about it right now, but, uh, uh, Old Sturbridge Village is looking to, um, do something for Juneteenth and they're looking to our community to help with putting some, some goods in their store and do some activities. And at old Sturbridge village, you will be able to see waste bees by Cardithia and redeemed in their store. So those kinds of things um, are happening for me right now, which is extremely exciting. And I'm hoping that I can get into some other, other places as well. But that's a great start. You will. You know, that is so exciting. I am so happy for you. Um, You know, just like I said, it's your season. Things are starting to fall into place. And, you know, it's fun. It's that double-edged sword, right? Like you you had a job to pay your bills, but because you were so busy and stressed out, it was blocking your creativity. So you couldn't focus on your side hustle to be like to be give generate more income. Right. That's right. 
So stepped away from a job a whole lot less, but now you have that creativity is coming back in because you're no longer mentally blocked, you know, emotionally, spiritual, and all of these things, like things are flowing in and flowing out. And sometimes you wish you have like a camera could take a picture of your brain because it's like at two in the morning, I have like my best ideas. Uh, (laughs) And uh, I was like, I'm going to get up. And then when I don't get up the next one, I'm like, oh, I'm like trying to recreate. What what was that? What was that? What was that? Oh my God. I know that I didn't, I didn't grab my notebook and I should have wrote it down. And I said, I was going to write it down, but I didn't write it down. Now I can't think of it. God, bring it back to me. Bring it back to my, right. Yeah. Praying about it. God, please help me to remember that. Yeah. (laughs) But it will come back. It will come to you. So I'm so happy for you. And that opportunity Mm -hmm. is huge because I know that um, there's a lot of foot traffic at Servage Village. So that opportunity for you would be great. And, you know, out of Waste Beats by Cardithia, we now have redeemed and bigger and better things, you know, are coming. So let me ask you this. When um, was there, well, maybe not family member, because I know you're pretty close knit, you know, your mom and your son Mm -hmm. and all of that. But when you said to folks that you were leaving that good paying job, like, <laughs> how was that met? <laughs> Ooh. So, you know, our moms are from a different generation, right? Oh. And they were, they work and you work until retirement. My mom was in her job, worked uh, for 33 years at one particular agency. And I was like, oh, no, oh, no, mommy, no, Mm-mm. I I cannot. And so when I started, you know, saying, I, I think I'm going to have to leave again, she's like, but you're, you're, you're making more money than you've ever made in your life. Like, yeah, why would you leave that? And I had to explain that I can't, I can't lose my mind over this job. I cannot. Yeah. And eventually had to move into, I will not. Mm-hmm. And eventually had to tell her, I prayed about it. And this is what God told me. That job is not your source. I am your source. Yeah. And because she's a woman of faith and because she knows what it means to trust God, she had to just kind of like, okay, okay. she's not loving it. Mm. You know, she's not loving it at all. Mm-mm. Um, And many people were looking at me like, are you crazy? Co-workers, like, are you serious? Others were like, yes, girl, go ahead. Others were like, you're so brave. How, do, how can you do this and not really have the full plan or know exactly how it's going to play out? But I knew, I know the God that I serve. I know that he's been faithful to me in so many other circumstances and that he's not going to fail me. And so my son, he had told me months ago, months before he was like, ma, get out of there, yeah, get out of that job, leave it. And he had to remind me, he said, ma, you're acting like your resume doesn't speak for itself. Mm. You're acting like no one else is going to pick you up and that you wouldn't be an asset to another agency or company or like, why are you, why are you afraid? But he's got that millennial attitude that you and I talked about, Ooh. man, listen, <laughs> you know how they feel about, listen, y'all affecting my mental health. You're messing with my peace. They're out. You may or may not get a notice. Lord. They may leave that day, right? They come and give you keys. They may just walk out or never even show up again. Lord. So he, 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 he was totally, he was like, listen, it took you six months, but okay, good job. <laughs> Because I told you back in August to leave mommy. I told you. I told you. 
Yeah. Yeah. We discussed it. This millennium, love them or hate them, you know, they certainly have given me some gray hair moments. But I gotta yes. tell you, you gotta respect their hustle. You gotta respect right. their hustle, man. With their mental health, they're like, yeah, no, this job. They don't care if they got a job, a car, or an apartment. They out. <laughs> they are out. I just. And guess what? When you look at them, they're still they're still surviving. They're happy. They're, they're happy. They go and sit over here. They go work these little, I'm not going to mention the company names, but they'll go work, work these little side hustles and deliver food, pick up mm-hmm. food, pick up people and drop them off and do those kinds of things. Make a few dollars, pay a bill, get somewhere. And they'll plan a trip. They go out of the country. Go to brunch. <laughs> they are living the life. And so I've learned from him. I don't have to let anything hold me down. Perfect. I'm betting on myself and I'm betting on me and God. I choose myself. I'm choosing me and I'm betting on me and God. Perfect. No, I I love it. Like I said, you know, it's older generation, you know, and we are kind of, we have a little bit of the millennium and a little bit of the older generation in us. Like in one, I was just like, oh my God, you know, I have to, I I can't let this destroy me. But the other end is like, but I really can't leave this job. So that's why it took you a minute, but you're right. You eventually arrived. (laughs) That's right. Um, Better late than never. Exactly. So we're a mix of both of them, right? Yes, we are, right. And we are sandwiched between the two of them, between those two generations. Exactly. And that's okay. But, you know, so no, that's, you know, really awesome. What would you say, um, you know, for somebody who's thinking of becoming an entrepreneur right now, what would you say to them? Like, how would you encourage them? I would say to the person who is thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, that thing that you're doing that's a side hustle or that is just a little bit of a hobby. Consider Moses in the Bible when God asked him, what's in your hand? So he's like, how am I supposed to go and do these things, right? What's in your hand? Many times we already have a skill. We already have a talent. We already have a hobby. We already have something that we're doing or that we're able to do that you love, that you really enjoy and brings you pleasure, brings you joy. It's fulfilling. It doesn't have to be creative. It can be a a service that you provide, whatever it is. You may love cleaning. Turn that into a business, right? Cleaning homes, cleaning offices. Whatever it is, bet on you. Make yourself a priority. Do the research to take a look and see, okay, somebody else is doing this, but how can I do it differently? Because two people can be doing the same thing and doing it in their own special way because you're not the same person, right? So don't put any limits on yourself. Bet on you, bet on your ability, choose you and choose to do what you want to do and what brings you joy and what really is fulfilling for you. And that can be of service or benefit to somebody else. Mm. Go for it. I say, go for it. And don't listen to, and I don't want to say haters because sometimes our family members or our friends, they just don't see the vision that we see and they don't understand. So don't, I don't want to call them haters. I would say just decide to do what it is that you want to do. 
And eventually they'll come around. And if they don't, trust me, God will put other people into your life that will support you, that will buy from you, that will encourage you, pray for you, uh, and and, and be an additional source of support for you. I say go for it. Wonderful. That's great advice. You know what? And you're right. They're not all haters. I mean, yeah, they're haters, but hey, haters got to hate. <laughs> right. But, um, you know, I think sometimes when folks don't understand your vision, they, they just like, they're like <gasps> flabbergasted. But you know what? It's not their job to understand the vision. No. Um, it's your job to understand the vision. And they can still support you without understanding it. Like, you know, your mom, she said, right. you know, well, listen, don't quite agree, but I trust God. And I know, you know, so I'm just going to support you. Right. And, you know, so folks can still do that. But again, it's not their job to understand your vision. Not, Absolutely not at all. And, you know, I want to, I want to highlight a point that you made and, you know, I talk about it often, you know, it's two people can be doing the same thing and still be successful. There's more than one lawyer, more than one doctor, more than one author. Like y'all need to stop being in competition. And, you know, if somebody comes in, can you imagine? I mean, I don't know back in the day, but I love Diana Ross. I like Patti LaBelle. I like Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, all of them singers, you know, and unless it's the Grammy, I don't see them scrapping in the street. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like, come on. I was so proud over the past couple of days and I just, you know, started going to these events and I was so proud to see so many of these people that are familiar to me that are vendors or, you know, speakers or whatever they're doing and they're all doing it. And some of them are doing the exact same thing that I'm doing. I'm cheering for them because I'm like, they're doing something different than me because they're different than me they're going to have a different spin on it because I mean, how many, you know, 5'11 Jamaican, (laughs) you know, like, I mean, I'm just saying like I have my own flavor and they have their own flavor and we each bring something to the table and stop worrying about like what other people are doing or when they get their wins or successes, your time will come. Absolutely. Right. And thank you for saying that we ha- we can't emphasize that point any any more except to say how many times you drive down a street and there's a Wendy's and there's a McDonald's. There's a McDonald's and there's a Burger King. There's CBS and there's a Walgreens across the street from each other. And guess what? They're both making money. Thank you. And I've said that before. I've said to folks, I truly believe the same person owns all of them. Because <laughs> <laughs> where you see a CBS, you see a Walgreens, right? I'm like, the same person owns it. And we're out here fighting. Oh, I don't shop at CVS. I'm going to go to Walgreens. Or I don't shop at Walgreens. The same person getting your money. Okay? I, I Listen, I haven't done the research. But, but that's what you believe. <laughs> that's what I believe. Same thing with, you're right. Like I would go to New York and on the counter, there's a McDonald's, there is a Burger King, there's a Wendy's, there's a Popeye, and there's yes. a Chinese food joint. And every single one of them have a Everybody's line. Everybody's making money. Everybody's making money. All of them have a line and still won't let you use the public bathroom. Right. <laughs> and still, yeah, we won't even go there with that foolishness. But it's true. So don't be intimidated by the market and think that, oh, because other people make this and sell this, I can't do it. They're not going to do it like you do it. Nope. They're not going to have your flavor, your 
there's it's because they're not you. That's just the bottom line. I don't even have enough words to say it's different. I know that there's other people that sell and make waist beads. I'm a part of groups across the country of women who make waist beads and we cheer each other on. Go ahead, girl, because my audience is not your audience. You're in St. Louis. I'm in Massachusetts. She's over in Chicago. So-and-so's down there in Atlanta. And we're all together cheering each other on, sharing ideas, sharing resources. And, and we're still making money. And that's what folks don't understand. Like together we can build so much more. Right. You know, I'm part of a podcasting community. I'm a part of two of them. She podcasts and women of color podcasters. And I got to tell you, uh, we're all podcasters. And I learned so much from them and I'm hoping that they learn from me. And as I learned something, I was like, oh, you know, you can do this to get this. I'm going to share it because what's the point of knowledge if you don't share it? Certainly. Exactly. Like, but we don't want to share because like we're afraid they're going to be more successful and different levels of success, different levels of success. But no, thank you for that. I was sitting next to an individual, like a young lady at the vendor event um, on Saturday and we were both selling t-shirts and books and right. folks were buying from both of us. Uh, you know, you go. Like, no competition, girl. I'm going to no. celebrate you, queen. Right. Wonderful. So um, that kind of segue into, you know, my other question, Um, how do you define personal success? So before, when you were working in corporate America, you know, you had your level of success. What is success for you? You know, get to this level, be certified here, supervisor here, you know, a larger group of people. But now as an entrepreneur, how would you define personal success for you? Wow. That's a really good question because I really haven't thought about it, but I would say um, success is doing, and I think this is something that I heard online, something about it. it's doing, love what you're doing, doing what you love, doing what you love, love the way that you're doing it. And I would add to that is influencing the people and the lives that you're supposed to, touching the lives that you're supposed to, coming into contact with the people that you're supposed to come into contact with. Because when you do that, then that allows you to have the opportunity to inspire, motivate, and empower. (laughs) (laughs) That is success. So I'll go back and say it. So Loving what you do, loving what you doing, what you love, loving what you do, loving how you do it and touching and inspiring the lives that you're supposed to come into contact with. Wow. Yeah, that's beautiful. See how it shifted from when we worked for others. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely measured very differently. It is. It is. So would you say it's harder to work for someone else or for yourself? Wow. Um, I think it's harder to work for someone else because you have to measure up to their standards, their rules, their policies, Mm -hmm. their guidelines. However, when you work for yourself to a certain degree, you have to work more. You have to be on all the time. 
And sometimes you can't turn it off. Like I said, two o'clock in the morning and that idea is floating around. Um, But I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade this. I, this is my season and I know this is where I'm supposed to be. So I would say it's harder to work for somebody else. Wonderful. Wonderful. Just, I mean, you kind of answered um, the my next question, but I really like to ask, um, what are some habits you would tell uh, us, an entrepreneur to, to develop? What are some habits you think that would help them be successful? Um, one, I would say get yourself um, a notebook or a journal of some sort that you use to keep track of what you're working on journal your journey. Mm. So, you know, when you started this, when you launched that, when you discovered this, when you met with that person, uh, when this idea first came to you, you want to believe that you're going to remember everything, but the fact of the matter is that you're not. So I would say, make sure you're journaling your journey in some type of way. Um, so that's one thing I would say, uh, be uh, open to help from others when people are willing to help you, whether it's setting up or um, offering an idea, um, be open, stay open, um, do things to feed your creative energy. That would be number three. I would say um, try to stay as organized as you possibly can, which is not always easy to do because Uh, We tend to have multiple parts of our lives that we also have to manage in addition to your your business. Um, So, but you want to try to stay as organized as you possibly can and um, look for mentors. Look Mm -hmm. for people who are also um, not, if they're not necessarily doing exactly what you're doing, um, that they're also an entrepreneur because you feed off of each other's energy. You encourage one another, you support one another, you motivate one another. And um, you need that. You need a Mm. group of of people that you can connect with that understands your hustle. They understand Mm. that you said you have this vision and you got to go after it. You need those kinds of people around you. Wonderful. Now, Didi, I know I could talk to you all day, but I do want folks to listen to the podcast and say, Lord, (laughs) I may have to break this down into a series. I know, right? I know. (laughs) But there's so much, um, just so much knowledge and wisdom and just so many gems coming out of this episode that I'm so excited that we had an opportunity to sit down. Um, I I just have, you know, just two follow-up questions and then, you know, we're going to wrap it down. And you've mentioned it over and over. Any regrets? No regrets. Love it. No regrets. Everything happened the way that it was supposed to happen, when it was supposed to happen, the way that it happened. Awesome. And I'm okay because I'm here today and I'm here to be able to share my story. So no regrets. Wonderful. All right. And we are going to wrap it up. So final thoughts, final insights. My final thought would be to... Choose you, take care of you, make sure you are a priority, make sure whatever it is that you want, whatever it is you want to do is a priority. Second, don't be afraid. 
And even if you are afraid, a mentor of mine said, do it afraid. Even if you are afraid, do it afraid. And the third, I would say, go for it. Whatever it is, go for it. All right. And be blessed. Amen. 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 I always turn something into a church session, but (laughs) (laughs) we can't help it. We churchy like that. Lord, I be hallelujah and praising the Lord and amen sometimes at meetings. And I'm like, well, it is what it is. Jesus is going to come out. It's in you. It comes out. That's right. It's going to come out. Yeah. But oh my goodness, Didi, I truly um, appreciate everything about you. Um, just thank you for a agreeing to be on the show. Like I just saw you, I'm like, be on the show and <laughs> saying yes, you know, cause there's a whole process about pitching podcasts, guests and all of that. And, you know, I just, I have a challenge in time. Cause I mean, I want folks on my show, but I want folks on my show that I think are going to bring value to the audience and mm-hmm. folks that I'm going to have a great connection and, you know, communication with. So thank you for just saying yes, without, you know, proposal. And <laughs> no, not necessary at all. And I want to say thank you for having me. It really is an honor. I know I've been on before, but you know, um, we're all evolving and growing and our story, our journey is ongoing. And so what I shared, you know, two years ago was different from a little bit different from what I was able to share today. And so that you see that value in me that I have something that I can share with um, your listeners. Um, I'm truly, truly honored and um, really appreciate the fact that you are still going strong. You are still hanging in there and doing what you've been called to do. So. I really appreciate you. Love you. Keep going, girl. No, thank you. No, I love it. I enjoy it. I appreciate you. I'm thankful for you. I know that this episode is going to bless somebody, is going to encourage somebody. Um, And thank you again for trusting us, uh, well, trusting me um, with your story. Um, I know that sometimes our testimonies, when we're going through, we're like, Lord, why choose me? But it's to help somebody else. And I know that this podcast um, has the ability to touch so many because it's in so many different countries. When I look at the countries like Argentina and all of these places that people download the podcast, I was like, I have people in China and I'm like, I'm not quite sure. Like, yeah, that's the beauty of a podcast. And I'm like, North, like North America and all these places. And I was like, wow, I have people in Africa listening to the podcast. And it's just like, it's just, it blows my mind when I see the downloads where these people are coming from and listening. So just know that your words are going to be all over the world and you can be touching folks and you don't even know, you'll probably never get a chance to meet them, but you'll make a difference. So thank you so much. Um, I appreciate it. And until next time, this is Suzanne saying, listen to the instructions that I'm going to give you all after this. (laughs) Love you, Didi. (laughs) Love you too, sis. As always, guys, this is Suzanne saying thank you. I am saying I am humbled by your continued support. I am humbled by you continuing to tune in every time there is a new episode. I appreciate it because I know that there's a lot of podcasts out there for you to choose from so that you continue to choose mine and listen to it. I appreciate it. So a couple of things. want to keep reminding you guys that the Sit Down with Suzanne podcast is available. It is on my website at www.positivelysuzanne.com. It's also available in all the major podcasts and directories 
Stitcher, it's on Apple Music, it's on Amazon, it's on iHeart, it's on Google Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, and a plethora of others. So wherever you get your podcasts, I guarantee you the Sit Down with Suzanne podcast is on it. So I need you to do a couple of things for me. I need you to listen to the episode. I need you to subscribe. I need you to share the episode. I need you to write a review and spread the word, spread the word that the Sit Down with Suzanne podcast is out there. It's happening and it's fun and fabulous. I want you to share it because we're trying to help more people. So again, please go ahead and share, like, write a review. If you want to reach out to me, you can connect with me at Suzanne at PositivelySuzanne.com. You could also follow me on social media. Instagram is my main jam. So go ahead and follow me on Instagram. I am just so appreciative of everything you do. Also buy me a coffee should be right at the bottom of the episode. So you can go ahead and buy me a coffee. Just remember that every coffee that you buy goes to towards purchasing equipment to upgrade the soul. So I could be bigger and better for you all. All right. So as always, I'm so appreciative of you guys. And until next time, this is Suzanne signing off.